Blog Talk Radio. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Michael Calderon Show. We're so glad you could join us this morning. It is Saturday, August 24th, and it's 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, now, for those listeners uh, in other parts of the world, actually, it might already be approaching Sunday, August 25th. So, um, a good night to you guys as well. We really appreciate you tuning in. And uh, we have uh, another wonderful show uh, this weekend here. Um, our special guest is Greg Hamilton. And uh, Greg Hamilton uh, retired from the New York City Police Department um, after, after serving a number of years. And, and we'll get into more details uh, once, we, uh, once we have him on. But um, he's, got, he's got quite an interesting story. Uh, not a common one, I, I, I don't think. But, you know, the the state of the New York City Police Department um, is not good. And, and I want to talk about that as well. Since the beginning of the year, they've had six suicides um, of New York City police officers of different ranks. And what is going on in the police department is certainly not the New York City Police Department that many of us grew up knowing, that many of you all have served in, uh, because we do have a great number of listeners that uh, that retired from the New York City Police Department as well. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to give a couple of shout outs. Uh, Dr. Catherine Larkin, uh, who's an optometrist. And in uh, Lens Crafters in Pembroke Gardens, if you're here in South Florida, uh, you definitely want to go check her out. Um, amazing office there, great staff. They're very attentive. Uh, I was very pleased recently, and it was my first time. And, uh, and it definitely will not be my last. So definitely check them out if you're here in South Florida at Pembroke Gardens. Also, I uh, want to give another shout-out to Living Sculpture Sanctuary which is here in Davie, Florida. I attended an event there last night, which was an amazing, amazing event at their property. You know, it's a well-hidden gem here in South Florida. Um, I attended their Moroccan night venue showcase, and it was amazing. There's a great group of vendors that were there. Uh, Jay Gutvig was a a great photographer. Uh, Victoria Machine, who's also another great photographer, um, Judy Rosari, who's a great makeup artist. Of course, uh, my dear friend, Jackie Bressler, who is uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, wedding and event planner. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my congratulations to Mary and Carolina and Kay over at the Living Sculpture Sanctuary and the rest of the staff. They really pulled off an amazing event. It's also great to see my buddy Carlos Abanto, who is a, a fantastic guitarist, and also uh, your exquisite entertainment. They provided the belly dancer and percussionist, and I got to tell you, that was a highlight of the event. It was it was a surprise. I don't think guests knew that that was going to happen, but. Um, they came in and did a fantastic job, really captivated the audience. So um, 
a big shout out to your exquisite entertainment, South Florida. Uh, check them out. Your exquisite ENT.com. Um, I know that many of their dancers are in local Mediterranean restaurants here in South Florida as well. And on their website, you can check out their schedule and, you know, it'll show you where, where they're performing. Uh, last night's performance was Valeric and she was, she was just great. So definitely you want to check them out. Um, so switching, switching back to our topic at hand with Greg Hamilton, um, you're going to hear a story. Uh, it's just, you know, I've, I've, I've heard his story. I've listened to some of the recordings as well. Um, so without further ado, we're going to bring on Greg. Greg, how are you this morning? Hi, Mike. I'm great. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for having me on. And, and thank you, uh, you know, for giving me this opportunity to share this story. And thanks to all the Absolutely. listeners too, that are listening. <laughs> Absolutely. And I appreciate you coming on. Um, and, uh, and you're coming to us from New York City. That's correct. And uh, how's the weather up there today? It's actually a beautiful day. <laughs> it's in, uh, in the mid-80s. Gorgeous outside, thank God. <laughs> Had a little bit of a heat wave. Right. We just came out of it. So it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, here in South Florida, we're always in a heat wave. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, right now it is 82 degrees and mostly sunny here in South Florida. It's It's going to spike up to about 90 and uh, humidity will probably be about 300%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I've felt that before. <laughs> yeah, that's what we deal with here. So, um, so Greg, before we kind of get into the the meat and potatoes of your story, I just want to, you know, um, give listeners kind of a glance at, at your background, you know, growing up and, uh, and kind of – you know, the path that led you to become a New York City police officer. Sure. So sure. so you were born and raised where? I was born and raised here in Queens, New York. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, I went to, uh, went to high school in Queens, high school, grammar school. Uh, spent my whole life in, in the Bayside area of Queens. Okay. And did you always want to be a police officer? Was that something that you knew? Oh, I Kind of. Absolutely, absolutely. My my dad was a police officer. Um, <clears throat> I remember uh, clearly, you know, days seeing him in uniform. Uh, he would take me to certain events. Uh, he used to be a, in a unit that was uh, based out of Flushing Meadow Park. Uh, it was called the Old Tactical Patrol uh, Force. That's no longer there, but um, that's where their precinct or station house was. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, attending events there with him, like. Uh, family day events uh, where they would have, uh, you know, helicopter rides, horseback rides and and things like that. And, uh, you know, those were the beginning stages of me becoming fascinated with, uh, you know, the police department and wanting to become a cop. Okay. And, um, and what commands were you assigned to uh, as a police officer? I I, my first experience to be, uh, to start off was when I was in the academy, I was in the academy for 9-11, which I think still holds history to be the longest uh, police academy ever uh, in the history of the police department because our academy was uh, put on hold once 9-11 happened and they took us out 
we were only two months in the academy, uh, starting July, so about three months in the academy uh, when 9-11 struck, and they stopped the police academy, uh, took us out, put us out on the street. We were down at Ground Zero, uh, assisting in the rescue effort, uh, out on the street directing traffic and, and you know, other, uh, other details like that. Um, so that was my first experience as a police officer. And then when I did graduate the police academy, some 10 months after it started, uh, I went to the 115 precinct and I did patrol. Um, and after that, I was also a member of the NYPD boxing team and I was competing in a boxing match. And there was a chief of personnel there, and he was pretty impressed with my fighting skills. And I beat the fire. Uh, I beat up. Uh, my opponent was from the fire department, which is always a, uh, you know, a, a nice thing when you beat them. <laughs> so right, uh, right. The chief asked me if I if I wanted to uh, work anywhere aside from the 115, and I I said yeah. And I asked him what he recommended, and he said my personality was was a perfect fit for the NYPD recruitment unit which was directly under him. And uh, that's where I went and spent pretty much the rest of my career as, as a recruiter, uh, traveling around the country, trying to, you know, look for candidates and, and help people that had the same dream I had to become police officers and might have not been in New York or military guys that were based out of New York. We would find them and, and help them uh, have the test, take the test. So once their career was over, they had the job pretty much waiting for them. So that was pretty much right. my duties for for a good good amount of time on uh, during my career. But while we were in recruitment, we did get shut down numerous times. You know, when there was not a need for recruitment, and we would get sent out to various precincts around the city and help out there wherever crime was, you know, kind of rising. Uh, and right. Would, uh, assist for, in those efforts. Okay. And let me ask you a question because I know that many. Uh, many police officers who were there for 9-11, right, have unfortunately um, died of, of 9-11 related illnesses. Um, and yeah. others have, have been affected and, and, you know, are dealing with illnesses related to 9-11 um, and those efforts. And I know that firsthand. I, I have family members that were affected as well. Um, were were any any of the recruits any any that you're aware of any recruits come down with any type of illness related to nine oh, eleven? Absolutely, yeah. I, I know uh, I know a few that have um, you know nine eleven uh, related cancer. Um, I mean, we were all there. The whole we would take turns right. go down to Ground Zero, and I mean, I distinctly right. remember we would put our gas masks or whatever it was because it was so busy. We would have them hanging off our gun belt or, I mean, our, our belt. Um, a lot of us didn't have them on. That, you know, it, it, it was such a, um, you know, a, a tragedy that yet we were, we were kind of in awe we, we, since this was our first experience. So right. we weren't thinking gas masks. We were thinking, wow, <laughs> you know, we didn't know what would be next, what would happen next, what to do, how to do it. So that's probably most of our problem was we weren't really following the safety protocol with, with the gas mask and things like that. I'm sorry, not the gas mask, the uh, dust mask um, that right. you know, they did provide us with. Right. And, and you know, I wonder, I mean, <clears throat> there were a lot of chemicals 
you know, and asbestos and all that stuff that that you guys were dealing with. So I wonder even if those dust masks were even sufficient. I, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Um, I know people that were wearing them and still did come down with, uh, you know, certain cancers. And so, yeah, I don't think they were. They were just basically, you know, to, to block uh, some minor dust particles, not what was down there. That's for sure. <laughs> right. And I, I don't know if you heard my first part of my intro today, just talking about how the NYPD has changed, how it's not the department that people previously knew. Um, And since the beginning of the year, we've had six suicides of New York City police officers of different ranks. Any, uh, any opinion on, on, state of the NYPD. Well, absolutely. I mean, I agree. And I actually did a brief, uh, uh, you know, YouTube kind of blog when I was just, just came to mind and I was, I remember I was out for a jog and I just decided to talk on this, this sub, particular subject. Um, and my take on it is, you know, similar to what I went through. It's, it's just the way they treat us. I mean, we, <laughs> we're not treated. Think about it. You, you know, you come into work and, and, you know, once once you I tell you my story, you'll see what I mean. When you know some of the treatment you you endure is is pretty horrible, and then you go out on the street and you're not respected by the, the some of the well not all of them but most of the citizens that don't want you there. And and you know, usually usually it's the one that the ones that don't like you that are more vocal. I mean, the ones that appreciate you usually you know you don't hear from them as much because they're not around. But the ones that you know don't like you are going to be in your face and you know saying bolder things and things like that. And then you go back to the precinct where you're looking for some type of, you know, sanctity, and then you get treated bad again. So it's 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 a mental beating, you know. It's an a mental and emotional beating sometimes. And and you know, if you're going through personal problems at home, and then you go to work, and it's 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 getting, you know, it's it's even worse at work from your peers, and then from the people you you serve and protect, it's it's it can be very overwhelming. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that that's the way out, but I can kind of understand why some people might feel suffocated that they don't have any other choice in life, you know, and, and it, it really starts with this, you know, the way they treat us. I'm sorry to say, but um, they don't seem to look at us as human beings at, at certain points anymore. It's, it's, it's more like we're just a number and that's it. And, you know, some people that I've spoken to have, have kind of said that the department has changed mostly because of, you know, Mayor de Blasio and that he's had a, a big impact on some of the changes in the department. Any I mean, thoughts course, on that? You know, cause I, I agree. I mean, everything trickles down. So whatever, you know, the, the higher ups are dealing with, it, it just trickles down to us. Um, I mean, I agree if you feel, and then, you feel like there's no support and, and that, that's another main issue. You know, you don't feel like you have any support. So what's your incentive? You know, what's your, what's your motivation? It's, 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 there's none. There's none. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult these days to be a police officer, especially, you know, when you feel like, okay, I'm, I want to go out there, but what if I remember I had an instance where I was, I was chasing an armed robber, uh, I'm sorry, an armed, uh, 
uh, perpetrator. He had just shot someone, and I distinctly remember chasing him through a dark alleyway, and he literally was reached in his pocket and was pointing the gun at me as he was running. I had my firearm out, but guess what? I didn't shoot him because I was too afraid to pull the trigger, and God forbid he was a young African-American male, um, and shoot him in the back. That was what was going right. through my mind. I didn't want to be on the cover of the newspaper, you know, white or, or Hispanic officer shoots, you know, black kid in the back. And, and that's what – he could have killed me. I don't, you know, what, all he had to do was pull the trigger. Even though he wasn't aiming that bullet, could have shot me in the face. Right, um, but sure. But that's what went through my mind in that emergency situation was what would happen if I do this? What would be my, my outcome in, with my career? And that's not honestly the way we should be thinking. Right. I mean, it's kind of, you know, and we've seen we've seen several incidences um, where, you know, officers in New York did not did not take action. You know, we had the, the whole thing with the with the water buckets um, recently, which I got to tell you, that was a disgrace. But I'm going to. I'm going to restrain myself from from going off on a tangent, but uh, that was a disgrace. You know, um, they they really should have taken some kind of enforcement action um, because that 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 was just unacceptable. I agree. Um, I agree. I agree. But but you know, I think I think nationwide there is a problem, and the problem is that you know law enforcement. They don't feel supported, and they're second-guessing every move, which is dangerous. When you're second-guessing everything you do, it, it is in, extremely dangerous. Now, I'm not going because, because I, I can already hear some people complaining about what I'm saying, okay? I'm not talking about officers that uh, use, you know, excessive force or that are involved in criminal activity, or are discriminating against people. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, those incidences. I'm talking about the incidences where officers are expected to take action, and they're delaying, and in some instances not taking any action, because they're afraid of the public. And and how they're mm-hmm. going to be crucified in the media, and that's dangerous. Agreed. Agreed. That's dangerous, dangerous when you have officers that are afraid to take action, and they don't take action as a result of that. You know, Agreed. so Agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, I, I think it's just a sad state, not only in New York but just everywhere nationwide. Um, what officers are being faced with. You know, it's it's just terrible. And, um, you know, just this morning, I, I want to mention here in Coconut Creek, uh, here in South Florida, the city of Coconut Creek, there was a shooting this morning not too long ago. Two are dead, and there was a police officer shot from the Coconut Creek Police Department. But we're waiting, we're waiting on details to find out the status. Um you know, and and unfortunately, this is, you know, we're hearing of of law enforcement officers being shot or injured, kind of on a daily basis. And yeah, uh, that pretty much. Yeah, yeah. 
And and in your particular situation, uh, I want to talk about your particular situation. Um, I've I've seen the YouTube videos. And how can listeners watch your videos on YouTube? Um, well, my YouTube is Greg Hamilton. If you just type in Greg Hamilton uh, NYPD, uh, my videos will come up. Uh, what I try to do is just 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 videotape myself exercising, and and you know we'll explain why <laughs> after right. I explain my story. Yeah, no, and and I've seen your videos. I've seen your boxing matches. Um, you look like you're you're pretty fit. Um, and what happened? What happened in your situation? You served, uh, was it 18 years? Close to almost 18 years, yes. Almost 18 years on the job. And they kind of pushed you out, for yeah. lack of a better yeah. word. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, and, and, and I've, I've, I've listened to the recording of three physicians in the room with you. And, uh, it was a female physician and two male physicians. And I'll tell you, you know, um, the female physician sounded like she was not in sync with the two male physicians. Yeah. And and I'm not bringing up I'm not bringing up gender for any other reason than identifying the people that were in the room with you, because it was yeah. a, a hidden recording. Um, yes, but the. The two male physicians, I don't know, man. They they sounded shady. I don't know. It just just listening to them talk, it just you know, it didn't oh, sound I, I legit. Agree. I got to tell you. I mean, I felt it. I felt it, and I I kind of knew it um, from the minute you know I I got there and was in that room. Um, right. So but so take I, us. I, go ahead. Sure. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Say, finish like your. To, to discuss. Uh, no, we we could discuss what led up to that 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 meeting. Yes. So. I, Absolutely, you know, and the, and that's uh, I want you to take us there. And wonderful. and I appreciate it. And and I may have to jump in to, to just, have you expand on certain things because not all listeners are, you know, are cops or or, they may be cops but maybe never been with the NYPD. So, you know, NYPD is it's, is its own world, if you will. Absolutely. Um, yes. So it's a very confusing story. I'm sure you can agree, uh, Michael. So uh, yeah. you know, if there's anything that I'm not sounding uh, <laughs> understandable in, you maybe could, uh, like you said, jump in. But it is very confusing. So, uh, you know, let's get started. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So basically, throughout my career, I was uh, very uh, athletic. I mean, I I I, I started. Uh, I was an athlete my whole life. I started playing basketball and boxing since I was eight years old. Um, and you know, with 15, 16 years, uh, well, at this point, I'm sorry, it was about 14 years of, you know, police work. You know, bad posture, all that extra equipment on you. I was boxing. I developed arthritis in my left. So I started enduring pain, and I, I noticed that it was becoming a, an issue, and I had to go see a doctor, which I did. I met a doctor from uh, NYU Langone, and he was amazing. I mean, just and, and that, that's the New York University Langone Langone Medical Center. Yes, yes, that's yeah. correct. Um, 
and he came into the room and he he said to me, I'll never forget. He says, you know, he goes, what did you do to yourself? And uh, you know, discussing my my X-rays on my left hip, and you know, I told him, and I said, I'm an athlete. He goes, listen, how do you feel if I can tell you, I promise you, you'll be back to your normal self, running and boxing in three months, uh, six months after I I operate on you? I said, where do I sign? Um, right. He knew I was a police officer. He knew what my duties and job entailed, and he promised me that there were, if he if he did the surgery, he would do there would be no issues and no setbacks whatsoever. So he suggested a hip resurfacing surgery. It's a partial hip replacement. It's not a total hip replacement, um, which you can only do on younger, um, not, not, not overweight uh, people because this surgery entails a lot more digging and cutting and, and dislocating and, and things like that. Um, so an old, elderly person would not be able to uh, handle or, or survive basically uh, that type of a surgery. That's why they won't do it if you're older. Usually they'll do the full hip replacement, which is a lot easier. So what he did was the hip resurfacing, which is basically capping the, the hip joint and then uh, uh, placing the cap back into the joint. Uh, it's a titanium cap. He did the surgery, and it, the exact timeline he gave me was exactly what happened. I mean, I had the surgery in September of 2014, and uh, I was ready to go back to work in December of 2014. So three months after the surgery, I went. So just to explain, the NYPD has assigned doctors that you have to visit when you're out sick. Um, if you're hurt, if you're injured, if you're if anything involving medical um, leave from work or anything like that, you see these NYPD, and they're, they're doctors, they're licensed doctors hired by the NYPD, and, and they're assigned to you for your whole career. Um, the doctor that I was assigned to uh, was a cardiologist, and this was the same doctor I saw to report to while I was um, out sick for my hip surgery. So in December of 2014, once I was pretty much healthy to go back to work, I reported to this cardiologist. He asked me, how do I feel? I said, I'm fine. I'm ready to go back to work. He said, Greg, I know you since you've come on this job. You're, 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 you're in very good shape. He goes, you're, 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 you're he, I think he called me Captain America. <laughs> and he says, go back to work. No problem. He signed off on my forms, whatever he needed to be signed off on, and cleared me, put me back full duty. Right, and it I just want to so clarify. I just, I just want to clarify something. Sure. He's a cardiologist, but you were not seeing him for any heart-related issues. You were just seeing him no. because he's he's what we call an NYPD surgeon. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, since he was my assigned doctor, he, you know, he's just assigned to me. Since he's like my case manager, I you want to call him as well. So he could have been anything. Could have been a cardiologist, right. uh, orthopedic, but... He was a cardiologist. Um, should he have made an co- uh, orthopedic decision? Probably not, but he did. So, you know, that's it. He signed off. I'm cleared. I'm back to work now. Um, December, the end of December is when the whole Eric Garner um, uh, protests and everything started breaking out in the city. So since I was in the recruitment unit, we automatically get mobilized. Uh, we're the first uh, 
section or units that they take bodies from when they need extra bodies uh, in the city for anything. So since there were these major protests going on, uh, they used us for these protests. And my first foot post, well, on my almost my, I think it was my first week back from this surgery was doing this detail. It was about an 18, 19-hour day. You know, and we were standing in these post. We were walking, following protesters, sometimes running after protesters, make sure they weren't going to shut down certain major, um, you know, tunnels or bridges. So we had to get there before them. And this was only three months after my surgery. So, and I worked it, no problem. I had no issues, no setbacks. I wasn't in pain. I was perfectly fine. And I continued to work in that aspect for years. In July of 2015, not even a year after my surgery, I went, crime was going up in the city. It was, it was the summertime, and they uh, began this program called Operation All Out, where anyone that was in any type of administrative duty, they would send you to this precinct where crime was up, and you would work at that precinct for the summer. I worked at the 113 precinct. So I remember it was like in Queens. July 28th, I believe. In Queens, 132 Precinct in Queens, yes, uh, South Jamaica, yeah. Queens. Uh, it was July 28th, a call, a 911 call of a gunpoint robbery came over. I happened to be in the van that one night we took turns, everyone took turns driving the van. That was my, ten, my, uh, my turn that night. So I responded to the job as backup. As they were given the description of the three male perps that, were, uh, that committed this gunpoint robbery, I, they walked right in front of me. And, you know, instinctively, we, we jump out and, and, and try to stop them and question them. As we did, one of them surrendered, but two ran. So we ran after them. It was it, a foot pursuit um, commenced. We put it over the radio, and my partner and I got split up. My partner chased one of them. I chased the other. So now we're running through backyards. I'm with one all by myself. Uh, backup couldn't find me because of this. I, I, you know, I couldn't get the address that I needed to get to uh, out there because I'm chasing somebody. So, uh, luckily, I guess he, the purpose to realize, okay, let me just comply because I don't want this to end ugly. And he complied. He stopped. I put the handcuffs on him. I was able to get the location and uh, was able to uh, wait for backup. Backup put him in the vehicle. We had him under arrest. As I'm doing that, aviation happened to come, the helicopters came, and they were looking for the third armed robber that was nowhere to be found, and they happened to see something in infrared, because it was nighttime, in the bushes, and they gave the address of where they were looking, and it happened to be right next to where I was. So now, I, I, I had a top, it was like an eight-foot fence, I remember, <laughs> I mean, it, it, you laugh now because it's pretty funny, but I, I remember jumping... Right trying to jump over the fence. I got to the top of the fence. My belt got hooked on the fence and I fell oh. over the fence. Yeah, and I actually landed on my side. So, and just to remind you, this is 10 months after this partial hip replacement. Right, Guess right. What? I got back up. I got back up. I, I, I yelled for the... He was apparently hiding in the bushes. I yelled for him to come out. He comes out, but he didn't come out uh, in peace. He came out fighting. So, uh, you know, we had to kind of get physical, and which I did, no problem. I have gotten to say I, it was just basically a wrestling match, um, and we were able to subdue him. 
backup caught me. Uh, they, they found me, and we put them under arrest, no problem. I actually got a medal for this arrest um, well, a few months later. Um, all three of the perpetrators were caught, and it was a legitimate armed robbery. We couldn't find the gun. They must have thrown the gun somewhere, but we got the perpetrators, and we had uh, we retrieved the items that they stole from from uh, the people they robbed, which was a wallet and money and, and cell phones and all that stuff. So, and once again, I, I, I made it through that with no issues, no setbacks. I fell over an eighth of fence and I was perfectly fine. I got back up and kept running. I had, I remember my sergeant actually at the time uh, suggested I do a line of duty report because she, she, she kind of, I think she heard the fall or whatever it was. Somehow she knew I fell. And she said, listen, we need to cover that just to, just in case, do a line of duty report. And I said, all right, but I'm fine. I don't need to go to the hospital or anything. I didn't get hurt. She goes, all right, listen, just do it just to have it on paper, which I, she did. She did the report. And distinctly in the report, she wrote, wrote uh, refused medical attention. And okay. that's it. So now moving forward to, uh, I believe it was August of 2016. So I was full duty up until August of 2016. You, you sound you sound a little I, you sound a little muffled, Greg. Can you just back away from the phone a little bit? Sure. Does it sound any better? Sound any better? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what was that. Okay. It's, it's, uh, if it comes up, just let me know, please. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Back to um, I was full duty up until August of 2016, where. Uh, one of the other, remember I said that recruitment, they would use us a lot for city events and things like that. One of the things they would use us for was the barrier detail. Barrier detail right. is basically setting up all those metal cages that they use for parades and things like that. I would kind of volunteer for this type of detail because it was like a workout. You were lifting these 40, 45-pound metal cages, and you would lift 120 of them in any given day. So that was great. And those things are heavy. Those they things are, are heavy, are. man. <laughs> yeah. So I actually did that detail Monday. I did it Wednesday, and I did it Friday. And and I would tell the guys on the truck, let's say there was five of us on a truck. I would say, guys, pass me the barriers. I'll lift it up to the guy on the truck that's loading them on the truck. Because I that's, I was just like, I loved working out. So that's what I, I, I didn't mind. It was, it was great. So they would... I would pretty much do all the lifting. I, they would slide the barriers for me, and I would just lift them on the truck. I would do, if it was 120 uh, on a truck, I would do 60 on my right side and 60 on my left. So I did that Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday I was doing it, and I felt a pinch in my shoulder, I felt in my left shoulder. I felt something happen. And, you know, me being a boxer, I didn't really think anything of it. I, I said, all right, I, listen, I felt a lot more pain in, in, in the brink, and I kept fighting. So I didn't uh, stop or I didn't do anything. I just I just kept working. The next morning, I woke up in such pain, I couldn't even turn on my left side. I, I had to actually go to the hospital for it. That being said, that's when I had called my sergeant and I reported what was going on. She filled out the, because you have 24 hours to fill out a line of duty report, work-related injury, which is what I did. I followed the proper protocol, filled, filled out this line of duty report, and they approved it. They paid for my emergency room visit. They paid for uh, everything else uh, that comes with the emergency room visit. Um, and now I have to get sent back to my district surgeon, my doctor, um, my department doctor. And 
when I meet him this time, he, he tells me, and very apologetic, which I was very uh, confused about. I was wondering why he kept apologizing. But he says, I have to send you to the orthopedic. This was a work-related injury. I'm a cardiologist, and now I have to send you to the orthopedic. And I said, okay, this is not usual because you never did this before, but fine. Okay, no problem. So now he sends me to the orthopedic. He sets up an appointment to an NYPD orthopedic in Lefrak City in Queens, New York. So I report there at 6 a.m., and this is where I met the NYPD orthopedic. I don't know how to explain it, but just his demeanor towards me, uh, it seemed as if, like, how do I, how do I, I felt like he was uh, a, a, a prosecuting attorney and I was a perp. Like, that's, that's kind of like how he treated me. It was, it was mm. very aggressive towards me. Yeah. It, it, like, he obviously just didn't like to right off the bat. Um, you know, and, and I was there for my shoulder. He, automatically asked me one question about my shoulder and then went right to my hip, my hip surgery from 2014. He goes, how come I never saw you for this hip surgery? And I said, I, I don't know. Listen, I'm a cop. We follow orders. That's it. I don't have a say in any of this. You right. know, and, and so he asked me, how come I never saw you? I said, I, I don't know. I didn't even know I was, I said, my, my doctor, you know, cleared me and put me back to work. He goes, well, you shouldn't have been put back to work. So now I have to follow proper protocol because this guy's a cardiologist and he has no say in whether you can go back on a hip replacement. So I have to follow proper protocol. And he's holding these papers in his hand. He's running back and forth. He's not telling me what he's doing. Um, so he comes back in the room. He goes, do me a favor. Go get some physical therapy and come back and see me in, in, a, few, in a month. I'm like, okay. He wouldn't talk to me. I asked him. I said, sure, if you talk to you for a second, just walk right out on me and, and that's it. So now I'm referred to physical therapy for my left shoulder. I go to physical therapy. It, nothing got better. I needed surgery. So now I'm back. So, so were you on restricted duty at this time? At this moment, I was on limited duty. Limited. Limited, okay. limited and restricted are slightly different. Limited means yeah. it's going to be for a shorter term, I believe, short, short, short-term uh, death duty. So I was on limited duty. I had to go get shoulder surgery. Because in the MRIs, they initially said that I tore my rotator cuff. But when I went in to get the surgery, now I went to the hospital special surgery. And this guy, apparently this doctor was one of the better uh, orthopedic doctors in this hospital. So he went in uh, to the arthroscopic surgery, and he realized that there was not major damage done to the rotator cuff. So there was no repair needed. So what he did was he cleaned out the shoulder. That was it. Since he was in there, he was like, okay, let's just clean out the shoulder. Where they, they clean out like little bone spurts, and if there was any arthritis, they'll clean that out, and that was it. There was no anchors put in. There was no hardware, nothing like that. I was in a sling for three days, and I have a video. I was boxing that same week. <laughs> so now right. I, go, I go back to the orthopedic, which obviously has a problem with me. And he told me, <clears throat> he goes, all right, you had your surgery. You're going to be on restrictive duty. You're going back to see Dr. Lane, which is the, uh, uh, the cardiologist, when you're ready, uh, once you're done healing from your surgery. So now I go back to see the cardiologist in February. February, clears me full duty from my shoulder. I'm, I'm back to work again. I come into work. Uh, so basically you get, you get released 
to full duty from the medical division. So I would report to work the next day, uh, right. full duty. So I report to work the next day, you know, back to recruiting. And I get a, my lieutenant calls me. She says, listen, you're not full duty. You're restricted duty. Call the medical division at left rack for them to explain. I said, what? what? I, I, okay, no problem. I call the medical division. I speak to a lieutenant there. He basically tells me, okay, yeah, you're fine. Your shoulder's fine. We understand that. You're back to full duty, but you're not. You're, you're restricted duty. We're, we're going we're gonna to have to survey you all for your hip. I said, excuse me, sir? I said, my <laughs> whoa, whoa, backtrack, please. I said, if you're serving me off, serving me off means they're forcing me to retire. I said, you're serving me off for my hip? I said, but I was cleared full duty for over two years now. I said, I, I, I won boxing. I, I ran a Spartan race the other day, basically. Like, what, what do you mean? And he says, oh, listen, he goes, you know, basic language. Oh, it is what it is, buddy. You, uh, you know, you had a hip replacement. And we've had guys that had hip replacements. And they were, theirs was a line of duty injury. So they got three quarters. They fought us through the nail to get three quarters. Yours isn't because it wasn't line of duty. But we have to treat you the same. So if they fight us and say they can't work just because they can get a better pension, we have to treat you the same. I'm sorry. And he hangs up the phone up. So now I'm just, I'm in awe. I don't know what to do. I, I'm, 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 I get a little bit emotional because I'm basically told I'm about to lose my job. I start right. calling the, my DA. I start calling everybody, and nobody has an answer for me. So they refer me to my PBA attorney, which handles all the disability cases, and he, he t- this is where I started realizing that things were getting very fishy. I told right, now, let, me, let, let, I me, let, let, let me ask you a question. Do you think... Sure. That that doctor that you had to see, the orthopedic, who said, you know, why didn't you see me when you had your hip surgery done? You think, because I I know that in that department, people get very territorial. So do you Absolutely. think he Absolutely. was he was upset that... Yes. He had not been consulted on on your initial injury absolutely. or surgery, and I have I, absolutely, and I have a tape recording that proves that, and I'll I'll, I'll get to that in a few of them basically telling me that this is their exact words. You know, also was pissed off at you, so this is why they're doing this, and you know, I'll I'll explain to about that when I get to that point. But yeah, absolutely, uh, it, this was this was definitely personal because of something that I had nothing to do with. I had no say in who I see, when I see them. I just, all I have to say in is what shoes I put on in the morning when I go full duty. <laughs> That's it. Right. I have no say in any of the, the, the legalities of, you know, going back to work. Who do I see? None of that. But uh, I was paying the price for it, apparently. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so now, um, pardon me, I'm just trying to I go, so now I, I was told I'm restricted duty. This was in February of 2017. Um, I just wanted to add that that same week, I, I, since I'm, you know, I'm obviously perfectly good condition. I'm, I'm not uh, disabled or hurt or in any way. So I still wanted to use the gym at my, my command, my precinct, which was the old police academy. They have a very good uh, NYPD fitness center there. So I went to use, and your ID card is what opens the door and gives you access to this gym. 
So I went to use my ID card, and it would not let me in the gym. So I knocked on the door, and the fitness instructor, that man, this gym that's there every day, sees me. He goes, hey, Greg, what's up? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have access. He goes, oh, let me look at you in the system. He looks me up in the system. He goes, oh, your membership is expired. We just need you to fill out a new membership form, get your doctor to sign, and we also need a clearance letter from your doctor that did your shoulder surgery. So there was a doctor from from the NYPD that worked in the same building that I worked, and I went to him, and I said, because you have to get a doctor's uh, signature, and they give you like a medical questionnaire in order for you to become a member of this gym. I filled out the medical questionnaire. He gave me a quick examination, signed off. He said, you're good for the gym. Take care. And I, I, I brought that form back to the gym. And I also was faxed a letter from my doctor that did my shoulder surgery. That Aside from the letters that he cleared me for full duty, he wrote a specific letter that says, I clear Gregory Hamilton for the gym and whatever exercises and extreme exercises, boxing he wants to do. So I bring that letter. I bring the letter that was signed from the NYPD doctor. Bring that to the fitness instructor at the gym. He had to give me a, a, a basic assessment, and I'm a member of the gym again. So right. now this is the same week that I was told I'm getting surveyed off for a disability. So now I'm in the gym. There's cameras there. Um, they, they clock your access, so there's, there's obviously um, um, records of me being there. I'm there every day. I have, I'm hitting the punching bag. There's, there's numerous people in the gym coming up to me saying, I cannot believe these workouts that you do. You're in amazing shape. Thank you. know, And I obviously say thank you and, and things like that. But uh, this was on, on a daily basis, So, which is a bit frustrating because you're getting pushed off on a disability, but yet everybody's uh, uh, in awe of, of the type of workouts you do, but no one says anything about my situation. I'm getting pushed off. I found that um, pretty strange, but... So right. that continues like that. I was uh, about a month after now, we're talking in March of 2017, <laughs> I was transferred now. I get a call saying, you need to report to you're in the same building. You're just reporting to another unit in the same building, the medical division. So now where this is coming from is the medical division. This whole situation is coming from the medical division. So now right. I'm getting transferred, not in the same building, not in the same facility, but it's the same unit. But I'm getting transferred now to a branch of this medical division that's doing this to me. And I'm being pretty much supervised by an NYPD doctor as well. And I work with nurses. I work with doctors. So basically my duties were going to be doing the medical assessments for candidates coming on the job. So now I found that weird because in recruitment, we do have administrative duties. I don't understand why I couldn't have stayed in recruitment. I realized later on why I get to this unit and it was just and and I just want to mention I'm sorry to to the listeners if they have sure. a question or a comment they can give us a call at 929-477-1785 and you're tuned to the Michael Calderon show. Go ahead. Thank you. Man. So I I get to this unit and I I I don't know how to exactly describe the treatment that I got other than it was just Berating. It was disgusting. It was humiliating. The, the, the way I was getting treated by my peers, and mind you, there was nurses, there was a doctor there, my lieutenant, uh, 
I mean, I was, I, I, I was getting called disabled Greg in front of candidates, and without having, I'm like, what, dis- what disabilities do I have that you're calling me disabled? Yeah, where do they know that I, like, how do they know about this situation to be calling me disabled Greg? So something must have happened where they must have briefed these people as to why I'm getting there, and I don't know. It seems like they wanted to make my life miserable, to possibly have me act out, lash out, so they can find another way to get me off the job. I, I don't understand. I don't know why, but, I mean, it, it was horrible, the treatment that I endured there at this unit. So, um, once again, I'm under the immediate supervision of a doctor that reports to the doctor that's doing it. Um, everyone in this unit knew my situation. They knew what was happening to me. I mean, I thought there were HIPAA rules, but apparently not, because they all knew that I was in some type of medical situation and I'm getting pushed off the job. Um, and and so what would I be the benefit? Two. What would be the benefit to um, to them getting you off the job before your full twenty? Well, it's it's all money. It's all about money. I mean, if I don't make it to my full twenty, it's just so ironic, Michael, that. Right now, the PBA is, is negotiating a new contract. And the first thing that the city wants to take away is the variable supplement that's paid to you once you invest your 20 years, or now it's 25 for, uh, for the new guys. So 12, it's, 12, it's a $12,000 check, and it's been, been labeled a holiday check by previous mayors. It's, it's something that the city, for some reason, it's a, it's, a, it's a dispute that they've been having with the city over this money. And I don't know the, the true story to this, but I believe it was <clears throat> years ago when the city was in, having budget issues. The PBA loaned the city money, if I'm not mistaken, and that, that money was paid back to us with interest. And that's where this variable supplement comes from. So aside from our pension, it's an extra $12,000 a year every December after your veteran's um, uh, service, retirement. So that's one one of the main reasons I can suggest that that's why they do this. I mean, it's, it's, it's money. And they're trying to get rid of it now. And one way to get rid of it is to survey people medically off the job before they have 20 years. But do, um, do you think – let me ask you this question. The city of New York has a lot of money, right? And do you think that – that they would actually do that, that they would work on surveying people off the job before they qualify for additional benefits? I, I, I honestly, I don't know what, what their thought process are, uh, is on this. All I can say is it's just ironic how they're disputing that variable. They already changed it because now for you to come on the job, you can retire at 22 and a half, but you won't get your variable until 25 years. That's the current uh, contract. They're trying to get rid of the variable altogether. So I don't know, you know, if that's so, what, what you had just said, Michael, but right. it's just ironic how, how that's a major topic of discussion between the city and the PBA, and once again, one way to get rid of it is doing what they did to me. Do you feel so, uh, that do you, do you feel that that you were targeted? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, I, I, I absolutely. It, and it, and it, why it, it, why do you feel it, that way? 
this is basic operation for, for I'm sorry to say, for the NYPD. If, if, if one person in the higher-ups do not like you, it's, it's open season on you. Um, which explains my, my, my hostile work environment. You know, I mean, the, the treatment I was getting, um, it, it's, it's I, I don't know why this happened, to be honest. I, I, I don't want to even speculate because it's, I can't, I, I can tell you this. I know I personally never did anything wrong to anyone to deserve it. You know, I've always lived my life with integrity, with respect, and anyone who knows me will tell you that. For me, for me to tell you, oh, you know, I must have made someone upset, or no, I, I, I can tell you surely I never did anything to anyone to deserve this, so I don't know where, why or where this came from. Um, right. Even, even when I was on patrol, I, 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 I had people call the precinct instead of call 911 because they wanted my partner and I to respond. That's because that's how I treated people when I showed up for this call. Or, or, or whoever I was dealing with. I didn't, even my a boxing opponent, <laughs> Michael, if I was in the ring and I felt I punched this guy too hard, I would apologize while we're fighting. That's just the type right. of person I am. And, and it's some... Not uh, most... it's... Go ahead. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, at some point, and I recall now if this was right before or right after the surgery, you were also a uh, focus of some ridicule going on in your command. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, every single day, Michael, when I came into work, I was getting embarrassed. I was getting berated. I had a lieutenant where she, she told me, I'm out to make your life miserable. I mean, I was, I was called disabled Greg in front of candidates. I was threatened. I was told I was going to get choked out. You know, I better watch myself because somebody's going to wait outside for me and choke me out by my neck. Um, I had pictures up on the wall of, of, of like there was, for example, a Frankenstein with, with screws coming out of his neck, and they put my name on it. Um, I had a picture of Homer Simpson, like an uh, overweight Homer Simpson in his boxing trunks. Because I'll tell you, the stress of this situation, I did gain some weight. You know, and you know it's stress because how do you train for a boxing match? We'll get to that in a minute, but how do you train for a boxing match and, 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 and gain weight instead of lose weight? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was called uh, anything. I was called cripple. Like, I remember saying hi to someone, and this young lady said hi to me very nicely. Hey, Greg, how are you? And one of the other coworkers walked by and said hi to her, and she's like, hey, you know, quick. And he goes, oh, because oh, he's a cripple? He gets to get treated nice? And, I'm, and just to remind people, there's no symptoms of any disability from me whatsoever. I'm not limping. I'm not in pain. Remember, I'm boxing every single day. So for right, and, and if you football. had it, and if you had it your way, you'd still be on the job. Well, yes. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, yeah. essentially. I, obviously, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to go back now. Um, uh huh. I can't because, like, once I, like what I said before, once, once you're labeled and 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 they're after you, that's it. My life will never be the same. So all I, right. I, I, I want to. All right, I want to pick up one of our callers. So just hold on one sure. second. Hello, caller. You're on the line. Yes. Hi. Hi there. Um, I'm, I'm listening to the the show, and uh, it just so happened that I I have a similar issue. My name is uh, 
My name is Betty. And um, Okay, hi Betty. I I uh I actually know Greg <laughs> personally. I uh and and I, I guess I just got the courage to make the call because uh after listening to him and my situation, I went through something very similar to what he went through. And okay. uh, it's amazing how the medical um division um treats people and uh and the police pension fund as well try to um you know, kick you off the job. I don't know exactly how much truth it is and, 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 and you know, in all this and, and, and the pension. But if, if if you have a minute, I would like to tell you a little bit about what happened to me. Sure. I charge by the minute. I was, Go ahead. <laughs> I was <laughs> in a motor vehicle accident back in 2012. I was uh, actually in court. I punched in. I uh, I was uh, uh, on my way to see the district. I mean, the the attorney, and I was told that uh, that I I needed my paperwork with me, which I didn't have because I was already ill the following day, and they notified me at home. On my okay. way back to the command, on my way back to the command, which I was told you know to return with the paperwork, I uh, I got a motor vehicle accident. I was actually rear-ended, and um, and and due to the motor vehicle accident, I actually uh, end up having uh, a two-level fusion shoulder surgery, back injuries, knee injuries, you name it. Um, now, uh, the this, uh, the medical division pay for everything. The medical division pay for my surgery, for my physical therapy, everything. My line of duty was approved. And the reason I know my line of duty was approved was because even before I got authorization to get the surgery, um, the district surgeon actually had to make sure that my line of duty was approved, and then he signed off on my surgery. Um, Okay. A a year and a half later, I don't know where, I got a letter stating that uh, my line of duty was disapproved. And uh, uh, they made the decision based on the fact that I uh, I wasn't driving a department vehicle, that I uh, that I uh, they they called the dist- uh, the the district attorney and uh, they were told I wasn't needed, and uh, that's where they based the decision on. Now um, all this happened, and I'm continuing to work trying to fight this decision. And the accident happened in 2012. My surgery happened in 2013. I was uh, I continued to work, uh, obviously restricted. A lot happened while that happened. And by listening to Greg, uh, you remind me of a few things that that happened to me. The way that you're being treated, it's like you became a target pretty much. And they try to do their best uh, to either to kick you out or, you know, I would say pretty much to, to hurt you because there's no other words that they can that I can put um, in that. But um, 2017 came along, and uh, I went in front of the board once. And this is where the best part is that uh, when I went in front of the board, you would think that having a two-level fusion and uh, shoulder surgery. And you go in front of the door, 
even though this, the, the job puts you down from ordinary, that you're going to get approved for disability because obviously, you know, you're disabled. This is where you get the kick. I was actually pulled back from duty. The medical mm. division with a two-level fusion, shoulder surgeries, pull me back from duty so that I can go back to work from duty. And um, I went back to my district surgeon, and even he was surprised. He said that uh, this is something that he never heard of, that people with my kind of injuries, they out of the job within six months. You have a two-level right. fusion, you're pretty much out of work within a year. They give you six to months to a year to get out. In the meanwhile, here I am, you know. And, and, and the reason I'm staying, just so, you know, it could be clear, because people might think, why will you, you know, you waited so long. Um, sometimes in life, you're in a position that, that the life forced you to stay. I'm a single mom. I have a disabled child. And um, you said thought of being out on ordinary, you know, it, 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 right. it, it scares you. It scares you. I mean, this is your salary cutting half. What are you going to do when things happen, you know? Right. So it, it, in, a, in a way, it's like they force you to stay, but then at the same time, at the same time, you're sick. And at the same time, you're going to work in pain. And at the same time, there are days that you cannot even get out of the bed. But you're holding right. on. Because you're fighting, you know, there has to right. be something. I, I try to appeal my decision numerous times. I made letters. Everything was denied. Um, when my case went in front of the pension board after that, it was remanded back to the medical division, obviously. Um, because, you know, I tried to put even for accidental after that. But the case got remanded back to the medical division. When that happened, the case went back to the medical division, and instead of um, um, the medical division getting all the information and, 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 and you know, the paperwork that I presented, um, they sent actually the, the, the pension, they actually sent the patrol guy, the guidelines of the patrol guy. And if you read the transcripts, of the board, of the pension right. board, it's, it's just unbelievable how they focus in, 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 in the rules and regulations from the department instead of actually focus, focusing on my, on my medical condition. Right. Now, um, the medical board uh, got the paperwork and rules from the DEA's office because obviously when you go in front of the pension board, your DEA is supposed to represent you. And um, like I said, I don't and know And I just why. want to clarify for the listeners, the DEA referring to the Detectives Endowment Association, not the Drug yes. Enforcement Administration. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> because we have yes. listeners that are not from New York, so I just need to clarify that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, now, the, uh, the, the, the case from the the, uh, the DEA um, went back to the medical division, and at this time, I'm thinking that when it's going back, they're actually going to present the case as for um, my um, accidental disability because I asked, okay, and I said to myself, fine, you guys decided to deny my line of duty, even though, may I remind you guys that I, I was in court on my way back to my command 
and my accident happened four blocks away from my command. You will say here and right. a few, a few blocks from the command. Um, uh, my line of, I punch in in court. I sign in, uh, you know, in the command. And not only yeah. that, I I also got a CV. I got a CV because I uh, for my lieutenant because I didn't sign up. And, that, and that's a command. Yeah, a CD is a command discipline. Yeah, which is a write-up. I a command discipline for not signing out of court. Because, I mean, usually you go to court, the DA tells you you need this and that, and they tell you you got to They request the paperwork from you, and they give you time to go to your command and and, and get the paperwork and come back and and present the paperwork. So, um. I was on my way back to my command, thinking that I was on my way back when um um to, to you know to give it those paperwork. There's a lot of details in between, but um, sure. the whole point is that I was uh, I was working, you know, when the accident happened. There's no doubt about it. I got the right. signing sheet from my court. I got um I even got the CB. <laughs> I mean the command discipline right, that they right. gave me for for not signing out of court. So there's no way you cannot tell me that um that I was not working and I was within the line of duty that when the accident happened. Now, yeah, the, that's the crazy. Divi- now the medical division, my disability, they actually got they told they gave me ordinary disability, and they actually declared me disabled due to that accident. There's no doubt about it. Now, when it comes to the pension board, this is where the, the kick gets in. The pension board kicks uh, the, the case back to the medical division. To, to the, medical division. the medical division pretty much says, you know, it reaffirms their prior decision from back in, in 2017. Yes, she is disabled. Yes, we approved the ordinary disability, and nothing has changed. But nothing else was presented both the patrol guy uh, material, which is uh, pretty much within, you know, it's not within their purview. What is the medical division going to do with the patrol guy? They don't do anything like that. You know what I mean? And right. The final decision is supposed to be from the board of trustees. And the case went back to the board of trustee, trustees, and there was no mention, absolutely no mention of my medical uh, disabilities. There was not even a mention of of the the medical board. If you read those trans, transcripts, transcripts, it's it's, it's amazing. Like what like, like what you're reading. There's no talk about my case whatsoever, and and it's sad, you know that. Um, Betty, Betty that, can I can I interrupt you for a second, Betty? Uh, yeah. Actually, I'm I, I, I'm very surprised I hear you. Good, nice to nice to hear from you. I didn't. This is a, I'm this very is surprised. Surprise. Calling, Greg. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I I actually wanted to ask you a question, if you don't mind. Um, so basically, Michael, if you notice how, uh, look at my situation compared to hers. She obviously is legitimately disabled, and they're doing right. everything to kind of mess with her to keep her on the job. I yeah. am not disabled, and they rushed me off the job. Is it, I mean, that's kind of kind of strange, if, if you ask me. I mean, I don't I don't know how that works. I wanted to stay on, and they rushed me off. And she is fighting to to get off on a disability so she can, 
you know, support her family, and, and, and she obviously cannot work, but yet they're doing everything in their power to keep her. It's just, uh, I'm sorry, Betty, I just wanted to, to make sure no, I no, that clear. No, no, thank you. No, because you're absolutely right. This is the reason I'm calling you. I'm calling because I heard your, I heard you, I, I heard you uh, on the radio, and I'm like, uh, it reminds me, it brought back so many memories, and, and it's amazing how they are play, they playing. They are play, playing with people's lives. They are playing with people's future, their families, and it's, 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 it's not fair. It's not and, fair. And, and, and Betty, I'm sorry. Let, let me ask you a question. So what's your current status? Are you, are you retired now? I am job? retired. This is this is what I'm. Uh, I, w- I was going to come next to after their decision of giving me ordinary disability, and the whole thing that the medical board presented that whole show because to me it was a show just 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 to show that they did something. Um, I hire a lawyer. His name was Eric Sander. Um, I hire Eric Sanders, and I'm pretty sure you know what's going on with him over the news. And he did to me exactly what he did to a lot of other women and a lot of other people. He pretty much, I retained him back in January in 2018. He was pretty much, you know, just, uh, to me now, it's a, it was a game. Phone calls left and right. I'm calling to find out what's going on. You know, uh, what what are you doing? Let's challenge this decision. We're going to do Article 78. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. When I retain her, all this, you have a strong case. This is what we're going to do. Excuse me. This is what we're going to do. We're going to fight this. But instead of, of, of doing what we talked from the beginning and make the challenge of my disability, from the disability pension denial. Instead, he decided in the middle and told me that he was going to bring a federal a federal case of discrimination against the, uh, the pension board. Right. Which later on, after filing the case, he just like that, unexpectedly, uh, unexpectedly, and without any kind of warning, decided to dismiss my case. Just, wow. I, I, he never mentioned anything to me. He never talked to me. And he would do it as a cancel, you know, not, wow. not knowledge, no, not, yes, just like that. He dropped me. Now, I'm over here calling this man what, via email. He, via email. He sent me email, an email telling me that he can no longer uh, uh, represent me. I'm over here, okay, I got to move on. I got to hire another lawyer. There's something has to be done. Uh, you know, the whole thing, I, I find another lawyer, and this lawyer is talking to me. He's speaking, and I'm like, well, there's an open case already because I had another lawyer, but he had to withdraw. Now, this lawyer informs me that he decided that my case was closed, that my case was mm. closed, and yes, just like that. The case was closed, and I had no idea that he wow. did my case and that he actually closed it. Um, and 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 you had been on the job for how long? I, I was uh, almost fifteen when I retired. Yeah, wow. I was almost fifteen years on my job. Uh, and I, and 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 just so you yes, know, Betty, Betty, can I interject yes. one more time? I apologize yeah, again. Yes, of course. But, no, uh, do you know, Michael? Do you realize that I was on the job for almost eighteen? Betty was on for she said fifteen. Do you yeah. know that there are people that have legitimate disabilities 
And guess what? Because they know someone somewhere or they're connected somehow, they get tucked away somewhere. And I know a guy that had double hip replacements, and he got a 35-year pension. There are higher-ups wow. that have double hip replacements. These, some of the people that I know, I can tell you names of people that have legitimate disabilities can, that are full I can full mention a few myself, right now. yes. Right. And they are right. currently able to get to whatever pension they desire. But yet 15 right. years now, and 18 years is obviously needs to be rushed. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Right. Well, hold on, hold on both of you because we have another caller. And I don't know, Okay. And, and this person's been on hold for a while, so I want to bring them on. I don't know if it's another similar situation. <laughs> yes, hi, you're on the air? Hi. Hi, how Hello? are you? Yes. I'm well, thank you. Hi. My name is Jennifer. I'm Greg Hamilton's sister. Oh, hi, Jennifer. <laughs> hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How about I you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm very good, thank you. Um, I've listened to the show. I wanted to call in in support of not only my brother, but obviously all these other officers that are going through, you know, similar cases. I wanted to give you a little bit of a perspective of of the effect that it has on not only obviously the individual going through it, but their family and their right. friends. And yes, it, it, yes. this expands tremendously beyond what the individual is experiencing. So um, in Gregory's case, you know, it started obviously as something that I think came as a complete shock to him, which, I, which he expressed. But once the shock set in and the awareness and the reality of what was being done to him uh, took over, um, it then expands to the family because you right. bring it home and – it's with you all the time, and you're, you can't find any way to release what you're feeling or what you're under. And right. there's no outlet. So there's no outlet at work because there was, as he expressed to you, there's no support there. There's no um, camaraderie, if, if you will, where he can say, guys, help me out. And then he comes home to his family, and he has his wife and his you know, our mother and myself and, you know, close friends that are trying to somehow help him through this. But there seems to be no way to to help, you know. It's just go through right. the motions and see what happens. Um, and I'm listening to Betty and I'm saying to myself, my goodness, I'm sure she has a core of people that are close to her that also want to try to resolve this, but there is no resolve. And right. no. I just hope and pray that, no. you know, someone in the police department does the right thing that's what you that's basically what you hold on to is that someone listens and does the right thing and look at Thank where you. we are today yep. and nothing right. has is, been done that's correct and right. this, 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 this is the reason i actually call i just recently got a phone call this week from another lawyer that i'm trying to get because now my, now my situation got even more complicated after what happened with eric sanders now we're looking at uh, another kind of, of, of lawyer. We're looking at two lawyers, if anything, because this is pretty much now a malpractice, according to, to what's going on. There's, a, you know, the time limits and, and the limitation statutes. There's a lot of things going on. But just recently this week, um, I got another phone call from another lawyer because I, I, I'm not giving up. This is my life. This is my future. I'm struggling every right. day. And I'm... Um, um, and this lawyer is telling me, listen, your case is amazing. 
I never seen anything like it. And by reading the pension board transcripts, this definitely, it can clearly said that there was someone out there that doesn't like you. Now, I'm telling you right now, someone doesn't like you in the department, and I'm pretty sure you know who that is. And I answer, of course, of course I do. Things happen, Mike. Things happen within the department. Everything that happened to me happened after uh, my accident. That's when I saw the ugly side of the department. I was, uh, I was a detective. I was happy. I did my job. I never, never, never once in my life had problems with any supervisor, any other cop, any peers, no one, no one whatsoever. Now, they keeping me on the job. And again, this is where Greg comes along too. He's actually able to perform the job, what I'm not. I'm going to work in pain. So they're keeping me on the job. In the meanwhile, I'm wondering what am I going to do if this happens. If they actually serving me off ordinary, how am I going to support my kids? I'm a single mother. You know what I mean? Right. This is huge. So I'm struggling. I'm doing paperwork. I'm doing 40 nights left and right. In the meanwhile, time is going on. You know, time is going on. And now here I am. And I'm trying to find the lawyer who actually, you know, does the right thing. But my situation is that the person who actually has that personal bandera kind of thing going on is actually sitting on the board trustees on the pension. So um, what am I supposed to do now? When every lawyer, every phone call I make, and they hear about my case, and they immediately, this is huge, we're going to work, oh, we can do this, we can do that, we can do that. Let me make a few phone calls and see what we're going to do. We're going to meet next week, let's meet on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, bring all your paperwork, and the next thing you know, silence. They make their phone right. calls, I don't know who they call, nothing. Here I am calling uh, what's going to happen? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I can uh, I cannot help you at this time. I think you're better off trying to find somebody else. You get a block. You know. Right. You get the sense. You, you get the sense that they all together doing this. And my my thing is this: Why? You know why? Personal matters has anything to do with what actually happened. I'm entitled to my three quarters. This is something that I not, not only deserve, but this is something that I earned, you know? There's no right. way that you can tell me that I was not working at the time that, I, that my accident happened. You can say me, whatever it is, because I heard, I, said, I heard a lot of rumors. And, I, I, you know, people tell me rumors, oh, I heard this about your accident. I heard this about the accident. It doesn't matter. It should not matter. You know, Betty, do you, right. do you see the same pattern, Betty, if you don't mind, I'm sorry, but notice how no, she ahead. says the same thing. Everyone knew about our situation. Where, where's, where's like HIPAA privacy and all that? How, like you see how she says everyone knew and I heard this, I heard that. How are people right. hearing about our medical situation is what I don't understand right. as well. This is right, right. It's obvious that this is getting broadcasted to whoever wants to need to know about it. And I mean, I thought there were HIPAA laws. You know, I thought this was supposed to be privacy. Um, right. And, uh, and, and, and exactly Betty, Betty, yeah, Betty, yeah. let me ask you a question. Uh, did they at any time 
um, file a workers' comp case for you? No, <laughs> no, no. Because that I that should have been. Sanders. I hired Eric Sanders, and the plan was to do all this, and he took me out of it. In the middle, when I saw the final, you know, the case, I'm like, what is this? What's going on here? What are, this, yeah. did you file, you're actually filing an, an, a case that is not what we talk about. This is not what we did. What happened to my disability? What happened to filing because of the Disability Act? What happened to all this? And instead, he decided to go for the discrimination case. And, you know, all this talk, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go because of the discrimination. They did this to you. They did that, da, da, da. And, um, and he ended up filing for that case. And then the time limit for the Article 78 went by. Well, he told me not to worry about it because obviously he knew what he was doing and that that, that was the best course of, 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 course of action. But now I have a huge question, and this is where it comes. This is where this is where the frustration comes in. The board trustees has the responsibility to make the final decision on everything that happened to you, and if they don't, for whatever reason, and I and I'm going to say this again, the person that I had and 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 and, and I wouldn't say it's, it's something stupid <laughs> when you come to think about it. Because if I sit with you and I tell you I don't like this or I don't like that, and it's just an opinion and you take it personal to the extent that, that it goes beyond to, to mess with your life, it's, it's, it's really sad. It, it, it is sad. Um, I believe in God, and God is up there, and, and, and things happen for a reason. But who oversees, who's on top of the, the board of trustees on the pension who can say that they're doing something wrong and the decision exactly. is wrong or, or not of that? This is why we hire the lawyers. This is why right. we sued and filed for Article 78. This is why we, I went out and, 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 and got myself a lawyer thinking, thinking because he came to me well recommended that he was going to do the right thing by me. But instead, yep. and, and, and not surprisingly, because he's been over the news within the last couple of months, he did the same thing. Thing that he did to all those older people, women, men, I don't even know, he did it to me. So I cannot say that it was just to me. I, I cannot well, say that. B- he Betty, did the same he, thing. Let, 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 me, let me interject a second because we, we are coming to, the, to a close really soon. Um, you, you, should, you, you should have been entitled to workers' compensation, which is separate and apart from anything that the department would have given you, number one. Number two, if the attorney, you know, has acted in bad faith, then you should file a complaint with the New York State Bar, the first appellate division. Yes. And there is a fund fund through the bar that you you can seek compensation from for for money that you've lost, you know, as a result of his negligence. So if now, I were you, I, I, I would pursue that. No, this is this is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm actually trying to hire a malpractice lawyer. This is what, okay. this is what. But the, the malpractice lawyer has to work with someone else that says clearly in a state that he, I would have, if he would have done the right thing, 
and 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 file my case and proceed it the right you know with the right way, I would have won the case. Now right. this is where it comes to the second lawyer. Getting that second lawyer is where everything happened. This is where everybody gets stuck because that second lawyer, as soon as I make the phone call and I'm, I, 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 I start saying, you know, my situation and everything, they're very eager at the beginning. Yes, absolutely. You would have, just with the disability act, you would have gotten you three quarters. Absolutely. And I can see it and I can hear, let's meet, give me the other lawyer's name. We're going to talk and I'm going to start making my phone calls. And that's where everything stops. When that person, you, you, that, that lawyer yeah, but, starts making those phone calls, then they no longer want to represent me. And, you know, the feedback that I get back is that, uh, that uh, someone doesn't like me in the department. And that, uh, well, you know that what, part, Betty, I, I get, Mike, if you don't mind me interjecting, I, yeah. I, I, I totally can see what Betty's exactly saying because uh-huh. this is a very powerful <laughs> police department. Notice how years ago when that, that three-quarters scam came down where people were getting three-quarters with, with absolutely no disability, and they all got caught milking the system, yeah. running marathons. and Who oversees these people exactly? Now, I had the same issue with my first I – had, I had to switch attorneys. My first attorney never filed an EEOC. I, luckily, I called the EEOC because that's how you have to file a lawsuit, through the EEOC first. They have to grant you a right to sue letter. I had to call the EEOC and up, see what the, the update is. They said, we never received a complaint from your lawyer. I did it yeah. with her over the phone. Uh, Channel 7 News did an interview and with me. My attorney Sorry. sat in the corner somewhere hidden. He didn't even sit next to me in this interview. Why was that? It seemed like he was afraid. Either he was afraid or intimidated. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's going on. They try to, you know, yeah, but th- th- and they're that powerful. <laughs> right, and that's why I'm recommending Betty... You seek counsel from the first appellate division there in New York City. The, that's the Florida Bar's Departmental Disciplinary Committee. They are independent of the police department. They're independent of any attorneys. And I'm telling you, I I had a situation many, many moons ago when I still lived in New York, and I had an attorney that was negligent, and I contacted the first appellate division of the Florida Bar, the Departmental Disciplinary Committee, and I testified against him, and he was disbarred. He was disbarred. And there were other people that he had failed, that he was negligent in his duties as well, that had, you know, had impacts on law ca- on, on cases. So... I think, Betty, it behooves you to at least look into it and try to talk to someone there because okay. they can point Thank you, you in the right direction, and they will. I will. They, they're there to advocate for you, you know, and, and if you want to contact me separately, I'll give, you, I'll give you the contact that assisted me. If he's still that there, he was, he was amazing, amazing. But this is all, Thank this you. is, that you know. That will be great. This is like over 25 years ago, but, um, you know, I hope that that he's still there. Um, Jennifer, I want to thank you for calling in. Uh, I really appreciate you you doing that. And and I know that that it's an impact to to every family, you know, uh, of an officer. 
that that has these challenges that they're facing and you know and people don't realize that that it's not just the person but it's you know it's the impact on their family on their siblings on their parents on their children on their spouses exactly. girlfriends etc mm-hmm. you know and yeah. and all of you have mm-hmm. that situation where where you've all you know you've all been impacted in different ways you know um so I, I applaud all of you. Um, we're actually going to be going off the air in a little less than, than two minutes. But um, but we can continue. We can continue this discussion. It will, it will be available. Uh, this show gets uploaded. So anyone who missed the live show will be able to hear, uh, to hear this recorded version as well. So... Uh, Although we'll be we'll be going off the air, we'll be able to actually kind of finalize everything, and and mm-hmm. people will be able to hear it afterwards. So although uh, for those listeners that that may be cut off from the live show, you will be able to hear the rest of the show um, through the recorded version. I just wanna I just wanna mention that as well. I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for your yes. show. Thank you because, um, you know, I heard about you a while back, and 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 it just so happened that I tune in and and Greg was on the on, on the other line. <laughs> he gave me the courage of doing something that I've been wanting to do for a while, because it's right. not fair, Mike. This is not fair. No, no, and and, and, and going, I'd I'd love to have you back on. I mean, it thank sounds you. like it sounds like we really need to have. A sequel to this show, <laughs> quite frankly. I mean, well, you, you do in it, you do in it, and you get in there. And um, thank you, Greg. You give me the courage to that. Oh, I heard you. you on the air. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice to hear yeah. people I mean, to come out. Too. Yes, you know absolutely. Thank people. People. People are scared. I'll be honest. They, Other yes, cops yeah. are going scared. through the same thing, and they're scared. They're, you know, we're yeah. off the job, so you know it's done. But if they're going through it right now on the job. Right now. They're probably scared, you know, right. yeah. intimidated and scared. Right, I was absolutely. Scared. Why do you, I, that's why I never, I never seek justice while this was going on. I was, I was too scared because of I right. was going I through what I was going through. Thing, Mike. Yeah, if I was going through and what I, I was going through, being under the radar, what would happen if if I filed a lawsuit or something? They, it would have been that's, over for me. That was exactly the same stuff. That's why I hold on as much as I could when I did, because I, that was, uh, I was scared. And not only that, the retaliation that came to you. Once you start making those phone calls, and unfortunately people that are really sick, that are actually really disabled, and you can barely sometimes, oh, Mike, if you only knew about my case, (laughs) I cannot go into details, but the retaliation was horrendous when I was uh, those last three years. And um, I've been through, I went through stuff that you cannot even imagine. And when I told you that I was... um, the job got me what I got today. Again, I'm a single mom, and I love NYPD is an organization, and in every organization, there's always going to be someone. There's always going to be. So at the beginning, you try not to take all this frustration and all this anger towards the job because the job gave you so much. Like, right. I got my house. I got my everything that I got, and I loved my job. I loved doing what I was doing, you know, and um, then the accident happened. 
and then you get sick. But then right. you get, they get mad at you, and you get retaliated for calling out sick, for being sick. Yep. Right. I mean, well, Mike, Michael, how about, this, how about this aspect? For, yeah. Betty, if you don't mind, I'm sorry. No, But how ahead. about this no. aspect? What, what about the cops that get hurt? Like myself, I had arthritis, Michael. I was full duty in uniform with, before my hip replacement, the partial hip replacement. I was walking with such a limp, but, and I was too scared to get the surgery because of what I would face once I get, go out sick, like, like Betty said. There's cops that are out there probably scared to death to do any type of procedure to make themselves better because they don't want to lose their job. Right. You know? and, and that's a danger also because now you have sure. hurt cops out there trying to mask it, but yet they're legitimately hurt. That's a danger, you know? I mean, and, right. and, and that needs to end. It shouldn't be like that. They shouldn't be afraid to, to better themselves because of fear that they're going to lose their job or be, be a target like I was and just say, oh, right. you know, he's a number. Let's get him off. No, it shouldn't be like that. Right. So now what, what are the next steps for you, Greg, with your, well, with your case? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of, of – uh, they just answered my lawsuit. Uh, the NYPD responded and, of course, denied everything. Um, they even, I, I, like, uh, just real quick, I, I won that boxing match during the time that they had me po- being forced off on, on restricted duty. I fought in an NYPD-sanctioned boxing match. I was cleared by an NYPD doctor the night of the fight that didn't know uh, that I was, I was getting forced off, and he cleared me for the fight. I went in there at 40 years old and beat a 24-year-old kid. And um, they denied that in the lawsuit, which I found, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty outrageous because it's obvious. I won that fight, and, you know, that was one of my allegations. So they denied everything. Um, they're right. not going to admit to anything, which is where we're at now. It's just they just filed the answer, so I'm, I'm assuming it's early on in the, in the lawsuit. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, I, I would, I, at this point, my lawsuit and, and is, is separate from what, you know, I'm, I'm doing with you. I want this story to get out. I want, I want some, somebody, nobody needs to go through what we went through and, or, right. or whoever nobody. goes through it now. This needs to end. This needs to end now because this right. is an abuse of authority. And if, if they, like I, I say in some of my YouTube videos, if this is the way they treat their own, what message are you giving to the people that deal with the public on this job? So if right. you get treated like crap, what do you think we're going to, you know, people are going to bring that. It's going to mirror out to the people that they're dealing with in the street, you know, and, and this right. is why it needs to end. I'm not saying that we need to be cuddled and, and you know, and hugged and everything. No, but no. we need to be treated yeah. like human beings. We need to be treated respect. with respect. Yeah. Like, like the doctor that pushing me off, uh, Michael, I, 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 I was in tears in his office when I asked him, why are you doing this to me? You know what he says to right. me? He pats me on the back. He says, don't lose any sleep over this, buddy. You don't seem like a dummy. You'll find yourself another job. And he walks away from me. Yeah. This wow. Like, like this it's is no not... big deal. It's no big deal exactly. to them. It's no big Michael, deal. Michael, my, 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 I'm a single-income family. My wife stays at home with the kids, and I was able to do that because I was, uh, with, while I was on the police department. My credit score was about an 820 before this happened. I don't want to say right. for what it went to, but it went down substantially because I can't pay my right. bills. My bills are overwhelming. And Betty will uh, attest to this. With, when you get this <clears throat> ordinary disability pension, you're getting less in a month than what you were getting per paycheck. Absolutely. Right. 
and especially now I mean, more than how do you live off of that on a single income? Betty has a. I heard her say she she has a disabled child. I mean, how do you how do you support a family with that? It's like yeah, they you kick can. you out. They don't care about your family. <laughs> they don't. They right. don't care about your situation. You're just a number. Don't lose any right. sleep over this. You'll be. Fine. You're not a dummy. Like how is that? After all the respect that I was told, uh, you know, to, to to show to the public, and I did. As a recruiter, as a police officer, I always took my job with pride, and I took it so serious. And yeah. and and to, to be get to be told that by a higher up, because the, mm-hmm. these doctors have the rank of a chief, so basically yeah. they're equivalent to oh, a yeah. chief of the police department. So yeah. this is my higher up telling me this and treating me like this. What hope do I have? If let's say I was still on the job, what hope would I have for for my future as a police officer? What desire? Right. What 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 motivation would I have? You know, and this right. is why it needs to end. That's why you see cops Mike, walking around miserable. Not, <laughs> yeah, not to cut you short. Not to cut you short. Um, I was uh, on my way to my physical therapy one day, and um, as I'm uh, on my way to my physical therapy and I'm signing out, I'm saying to the lieutenant, "Good night. I see you tomorrow." Their response is like, oh, "Where are you going?" And I'm like, "To my physical therapy." No, you're not. You're not going anywhere. And I'm like, "What?" He goes, "No, I made a phone call." You don't have no more visits. You know, you don't have no physical therapy. You know, this is just a show. And I'm like, excuse me? Yes, you're not going to your physical therapy. You don't have your physical therapy, and you're not going to physical therapy on just time. I'm like, wow. what? I immediately call my, my physical therapy, and, you know, and I, uh, and I asked him, listen, I, my lieutenant is telling me that he spoke to one of you and that you told him that I don't have any more visits to go. And the girl is like, uh, I just got here. I don't know who he spoke to, but um, I don't believe anything like that happened. Now, they stopping me from going to my physical therapy. I go to my district surgeon, and I explain the situation to my district surgeon, who explained to me that he has no right to do that. Number one, he has no right to be calling my physical therapy place to ask questions about my condition, what I have and cannot have done. And, 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 and he has no right to stop me from going to my physical therapy. If he had any concern, he should have called the district surgeon. In the meanwhile, for the rest of the week, I was not allowed to go to my, district, my physical therapy. You understand? Wow. You, That's crazy. Yes, yes it's, 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 it's a lot. And I, you said that you have two minutes left on the show. I just wanted, you know, your show is Yeah, that was that was 10 minutes thank ago. Thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. It was worth it. It was I just worth wanted it. You to guys say are worth thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um there's a lot of people out there Mike, just like us. I right. uh, I witnessed it myself when I was out sick and um it's sad <clears throat> that they able to 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 use their power because they don't like you, because of a personal, right. I would call it a personal bandera at this point, you know, right. because they didn't like what you said or you did. It has nothing to do with the fact, you know, and, and with a pension board, this is, this is where I, I'm having a really hard time that a pension board is able to entertain all this and, 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 and not apply the rules, you know. Why are you right. there? Why are you in the board in the first place? You're supposed to be looking out for people like me, you know? Right. You know, people and, and, and enforce the law to make sure that everything is right. 
and, and it's sad. And, and, and there's a lot of us out there that are going through the same thing because I, I know. I heard the stories. Right. Well, I want to thank you both for, for coming on the show. Um, and, you know, you're, you're both welcome to come back on the show anytime. You Thank know, you. Uh, you can you can email me, you can text me, send me a message, um, you know, subscribe through Blog Talk Radio. Although I think most people, they they get it through social media. Um, and, you know, anytime you want to you want to come back, I uh, I open the door to you. And uh, certainly if you know of Thank other you. people in, in similar situations. But, uh, you know, I thank you both for your courage, and uh, and I hope that you you keep me posted on on what's happening, and um, and you know God Michael, bless you and your families. You yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I just wanted to mention one last thing before we we never got to it, but those recordings, remember they lied. Yeah. They lied to uh, to be able to on paper make me disabled and that's what that was all about Dave, a, a lot. right <laughs> i just wanted that Thank right you so much though too right no absolutely absolutely <laughs> i know that the recordings don't don't uh jive with their written reports and i believe those three physicians that were in the room with you the two males and the female if i'm not mistaken the female did not sign the report it was only the two males she did not and right. I called to find out why, and they told me she no longer works there, and she actually still does. Right. So, so you know, that's very, something, very something's, strange. Yeah, something's not right. Something's not yeah. right. We should well, – yeah. I was going to say we should reach out to her, invite her on the show, but I know she won't come. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Well, maybe, maybe. You yeah. never know. Because it, it yeah. seemed to me, you know, in the recording, Michael, it seemed to me that she kept – anything that was beneficial for me, you notice how yeah. she, she called it out. Oh, the left yeah. is bigger. Um, yeah. Oh, you feel fine. You know, what's your take on what's going on? Do you, you agree with this survey? No, yeah. no. She repeats it for me. Yeah. So it seemed like she yeah. was kind of on my side. You know, like yeah. she knew something was going on, and she was like, hopefully, you know, you're maybe it seemed like she was telling me, hopefully you're recording this. <laughs> the way she kind yeah. of mentioned and called everything out for me and repeated things that I said, you know? Yeah. That was a I mean, unfortunately, in that, in that interview. yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, you know, the department, um, is not advocating for its people the way it used to from the bosses on yeah. down. You know, I yeah. think uh, O'Neill has lost some of his punch. You know, um, I think I think everyone was stunned by by his decision in the Pantaleo case. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's just you know a lot of good bosses have left that job. And uh, either either on their own or or being pushed out, you know. I've had yep. I've had previous bosses on my show. I've had uh, Chief Fox. I've had Chief Estevillo. Oh, know, what a gentleman! They, both of them. They've <laughs> yeah yeah they've both been on the show, and you know you don't have chiefs like them anymore. Not at I all. Guess not. Is is, is my yeah. point because those those yeah. guys advocated for their. For oh. their troops, I'm sure there's there's still a couple of bosses in the department, but I think they're in the minority at this Big point. Time. Absolutely, absolutely, you know, and it's say. a shame. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a shame. All right. Well, I want to thank you both for coming in, and uh, thank you. 
Thank and you. And to the listeners, thank you so much for hanging in there with us. I know it's been uh, it's been a long show today, but uh, <laughs> I think it, I think it was I think it was worthwhile. You know, um, I think this is one of the longest shows we've ever done. Actually, we're just coming wow. up to an hour and forty five minutes. So, wow. um, so uh, each of you can can listen to the show again. Uh, it'll be uploaded to the show page momentarily. And if you'd like to listen to a previous show, you can go to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Michael Calderon show. We thank you so much for joining us. And uh, next week we have uh, Gabriella Guzman, who's going to be coming in. Uh, actually, she's going to be coming in September 6th, Friday, September 6th. We're really excited uh, to hear from the real Gabriela Guzman. Uh, she'll be joining us again Friday, September 6th. So stay tuned for information on that show. Thank you so much. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you.